Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm with Dr. John Phillips, and today we're going to be talking about vascular disease and its impact on male sexual performance. We will also be discussing minimally invasive treatment options that could help get you or the man in your life back to peak performance. So get your questions ready. Call in if you're listening live and join the discussion. Here is the number. Write it down. 1-888-367-5329. 1-888-367-5329. Dr. Phillips, how are you? It's been a whole week since I've talked to you. It's amazing, Kim, how time flies. I think last yeah, time last time we touched base, I was driving back from the Poconos and today I'm in Boston. Uh, oh, I just wow. finished uh, just finished a educational course for Cook Medical. Uh, it's a real nice course. We were teaching RNs and RTs uh, about PAD and venous disease. Actually had some cadavers, let them deploy some stents and uh, kind of get a feel for what it's like to actually do the procedure. So pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's really nice that they have um, those types of events, and especially on a weekend where everyone can actually attend because we're all busy during the week, right? Indeed. So it's nice yeah. to have those those education seminars on the weekends where they can get some practical experience, you know, on the side, brush up on some skills. For sure. And we had folks from Canada uh, and as wow. well as throughout the throughout the U.S., so very well received and and our can I do my inspirational quote I was just going to ask you do you have any words of wisdom for us this week well you know I was wandering around Boston yesterday and I thought to myself let's find a famous Bostonian to give us an inspirational quote and who better than you know John Adams our second president and uh, he said you know if your actions inspire others to dream more learn more do more and become more you are a leader so uh, take that uh, uh, food for thought as we move uh, through this next hour. I think those are definitely some good words <laughs> of wisdom. I love it. Well, you know where I am today. I'm actually I woke up at five o'clock this morning. I was on the road, drove 90 minutes up to Sacramento, California, where I joined Dr. Singh, an interventional cardiologist with Vascular Institute, because one of our fellow pad warriors, peripheral artery disease, you know, the restricted blood flow in the leg arteries due to that plaque buildup that can lead to amputation. Well, we had a patient that was on deck for a below the knee amputation, and the family just wanted to 
just give him the best chance. Maybe he might lose a few toes, right? But they just were concerned. He's already had one BKA. You do the other one and, and the mortality rate, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's a, basically, basically a death sentence for him. So, yeah, what'd you guys end up doing? Yeah, so Dr. Singh, welcome. Thank you for having me in the lab. I actually got to, if you if you were watching, if we, if we were on video, right? We You could see I'm wearing my, my scrubs and my lead. Hot pink, by the way. <laughs> nice. Hi, uh, good, good, uh, good morning or good afternoon to everybody wherever you are. Uh, yeah, thank you, Kim, uh, for the introduction. So, yes, we did have this gentleman. Very interesting story because uh, uh, he does have a BK, like Kim said, and uh, um, both his daughters and his uh, son-in-law are actually podiatrists uh, in a uh, local health system. And uh, the patient, unfortunately, developed, uh, he had a BK in the past on the uh, left leg. This time he developed a wound on the right leg and there were some attempts to help him out previously, but um, uh, unfortunately the wound kept progressing um, on his, uh, on his foot. Um, and there was like Kim said, real uh, risk of a BKA. He, and so we brought him back in earlier today. Um, he did have very severe SFA disease, diffuse disease that we saw under intravascular ultrasound. In the uh, correct. In the thigh. And then his pop was critically diseased, his popliteal artery uh, at, at the knee. Uh, with, um, again, uh, very calcific disease under intravascular ultrasound. And then all the real uh, worst disease was under, below the knee. Uh, his uh, perineal artery was uh, subtotally occluded. His uh, anterior tibial was occluded at the mid, mid-calf uh, and his uh, posterior tibial was occluded at the mid-calf. So we were able to uh, go in, treat his SFA and uh, his thigh artery, his knee artery very successfully. And we were able to open up his perineal uh, successfully. And um, for his anterior tibial and posterior tibial, we were able to reconstruct them up to the level of the ankle. Uh, unfortunately, he did not have any reconstitution of the distal vessels. And uh, so we couldn't get anything below the ankle in the anterior tibial and posterior tibial uh, circulation. But with the perineal now open and the SFA and pop now open, he had uh, quite a good blush in his uh, foot with the uh, collateral. So we're so, hoping uh, that at the very least uh, we can prevent a BK and uh, hopefully uh, the most he loses a few toes. So you think you were able to save some piggies, huh? Uh, yes. Yes. Sounds like it. Okay. Sounds like an heroic attempt. I mean, these folks, as we all know, have blockages in multiple areas within the, the arterial tree. And so we do what we can to get them better blood flow to try to preserve as much of the foot and the toes as, as you can. So sounds like some heroic work and to do I know, it. It was so it. amazing. And his team is absolutely fantastic. They were able to use the laser in there and, and get some things done, um, you know, in a couple of balloons. I mean, the, the work was just magic. It, it, he did such a fabulous job. And now you're heading back into the, you have how many more cases today? A few more, four or five more cases, but we'll, we'll get them done today. So thank you very much for your time. You will. Thank you so much, Dr. Singh. Thanks for joining. Coming up. Nice to meet you. We're going to be talking so much more, you know, on um, a whole different, you know, topic. I mentioned that we're going to be talking about um, vascular disease, the impact on on uh, the man's sex life. Uh, but I just wanted to share. I mean, this was just exciting to be in the cath lab this morning. And it's the sweetest family that they I mean, you see it all the time, Dr. Phillips. You know, they have one BKA and. They what happens when they they lose the other leg? I mean, they become totally immobile. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tantamount 
kind of to to a death sentence. Uh, it affects obviously the patient, but also their their family members that are caring for them and those people around them. It's 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 truly devastating. So. And I, and I have to admire Dr. Singh. It's a Saturday, too, <laughs> doing the cases on Saturday. So that's uh, more power to them. They explained it because so many of these, the vulnerable people in the vulnerable communities, um, you know, they have family members that are working. They can't get rides. And with the weight of my heart, our organization, we try to provide transportation to and from procedures for those people who don't have a ride. But on the weekends, they have more options. Friends are available. Family is available. And so they actually perform procedures on Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays, they do peripheral artery disease. They do mainly the arteries. And then on Sundays, they try and, and do some venous work as well. Fantastic. I mean, you got to squeeze in folks when you can. And, and uh, there's so many hours in the week. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, kind of coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we will have more. Again, if you want to call in, make sure you write down this number because we're going to get to our hot topic of the day in just a moment. one 367 And we already have questions coming in. So um, we will be back in a few moments and we'll get to those answers. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today's topic is, is sexual health, men's sexual health, uh, and we're really pleased to be joined by Dr. Uh, Charles Nutting, um, who's an interventional radiologist. He specializes in prostate artery embolization for folks that have enlarged prostates. But, you know, before we jump into that, Kim and, and Dr. Nutting, I thought maybe we could spend a, a minute or two talking about sexual health concerns in patients with, with cardiovascular disease. We, we do know that people who have, for example, like chronic heart failure, so their heart pump muscle is weakened, about 70% of them have some type of sexual dysfunction, whether it's loss of interest or problems achieving or maintaining an erection or, you know, all sorts of stuff, anxiety, painful intercourse. Uh, and, you know, I, I think oftentimes, at least from my perspective as an interventional cardiologist, I don't spend a lot of time talking to my patients about their, their sexual health. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I should, but i um, curious, Dr. Nutting, kind of what your thoughts are as we talk about the more broader 
topic of men's sexual health. And then obviously we're going to dive into what you do on a regular basis with this, with respect to embolization to kind of help with uh, enlarged prostates. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, there's obviously a, a, a big correlation between cardiac disease and small vessel disease. And um, actually um, I, I think of it a little bit the other way around. When I see a patient for prostate issues or we also discuss erectile dysfunction as well as uh, symptoms related to prostate. I think if this patient has had cardiac uh, disease, has maybe had some stents in the past, then I'm always concerned about these small vessels in the pelvis. And as I'm doing uh, an angiogram and interrogating or looking at some of these small vessels, we know the prostate artery is only 1.3 millimeters or 13 human hairs across. So if the patient has cardiac issues, I'm always wondering if these vessels are patent. Do I need to find extra pathways into the prostate? Um, so, yeah, the, we definitely talk to men about their sexual health. We do uh, SHIM scoring, which is a five-question survey uh, evaluating erectile dysfunction, as well as IPSS scoring, which is evaluating lower urinary tract symptoms related to an enlarged prostate. It's interesting that we're finding more and more that um, – vascular specialists are being a little bit more forthcoming with their patients, um, asking them that question for Douglas, who's on the phone with us right now. He's going to share more of his story later, but he might want to jump in. He went in to the interventional cardiologist to talk about um, his legs with peripheral artery disease. And the doctor actually said, do you have any issues with performance? And he said, you know, funny thing, I think that was the first sign of a vascular problem, right, Douglas? Yes, I've been to three of them by then, and it was Dr. Walker Walker in Homa, who within about 15 minutes of me meeting him and discussing everything, he brought that up. That's interesting. But you were telling me also that you had symptoms um, of that prior to even having noticeable symptoms in your legs. The, before the very first doctor I ever saw, I was in a relationship and it just started to progress slowly. And then it had gotten to the point where I couldn't I couldn't perform anymore. And it wasn't until I started going to the doctors and put two and two together and learned some things that I realized my PAD also affected my performance. Isn't that interesting? Dr. Phillips, do you find that to be quite prevalent or should I be asking also Dr. Nutting, do you find that to be more prevalent? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important, at least in in my opinion, to not only look at the vascular causes of, uh, you know, things that interfere with sexual activity, but stress can do it. Uh, We know smoking can because it can cause problems with erectile dysfunction, sleep problems, alcohol, frankly, diet, physical inactivity, all these other things too. And what about medicine? Some of the cardiovascular drugs can also have a big impact. Yeah, there's there's one in particular for folks that have had, uh, you know, a prior myocardial infarction or heart attack that we that we prescribe that can adversely affect their performance. And sometimes I'll be honest with you, I have the blinders on and I'm, you know, using looking through the lens as an interventional cardiologist who just opened up this artery to save this person's life potentially because they were having a heart attack and we put them on all these meds and they come back and see a month later and yeah, they're feeling better, but things are different in the bedroom and we kind of sometimes don't give them enough information. You know, we don't, we ignore it sometimes. 
that's the thing, Dr. Phillips. I think you said it a minute ago. I think until I met Dr. Walker, none of the doctors had put all of it together for me. So I think that's the part where if you want to like to show, save my piggies and all of this, if we want to do the whole individual, we have to think about everything, not just men, but women also. Holistic it, care. Yeah. And, and, and that was know, actually nurse practitioner, Kay. She's usually with us during some of the procedure, some of uh, our shows. Um, but coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we are going to now tell you what can be done about this. So stay with us. Medical Notepad, brought to you by Patient Advocacy Organizations, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and The Way to My Heart. If you have restricted blood flow in your leg arteries due to plaque buildup known as peripheral arterial disease, or PAD, your doctor may not offer a procedure to mechanically increase blood flow right away. Why? I'm Dr. Bradley Hill with Hill Vascular and Vein Center in Campbell, California, with this week's Notepad. Vascular specialists decide on the best course of action for treating PAD based on symptoms. If you have a non-healing wound on your foot and or are experiencing pain that wakes you up at night, yes, a vascular specialist will probably discuss moving forward with an interventional or surgical treatment for your PAD. If you have leg pain while walking that is relieved by rest, this is called claudication. Claudication can be lifestyle limiting or disabling. Standard treatment for lifestyle limiting claudication is a walking exercise program coupled with medical therapy. Sometimes a vascular specialist will offer an intervention for disabling claudication if you can't make it to the kitchen or the mailbox or do your job without debilitating pain. It's important to have a discussion with your physician about best medical therapy, such as medications to thin the blood, reduce clotting risk, and improve cholesterol levels to help stabilize plaque that exists in the arteries. Not smoking is critically important, too, and so are a healthy diet, routine exercise, and optimal blood sugar control for people with diabetes. If a patient is on best medical therapy and other risk factors such as smoking, high blood pressure, diabetes, and cholesterol are controlled, and PAD symptoms are not improving, discussing a minimally invasive intervention or surgical option with a vascular specialist is the next logical step to improve symptoms. Walking is most important because it's the best therapy for PAD, no matter what. Our bodies are amazingly resilient. The act of walking triggers the development of a collateral network of vessels that will grow and expand to help reroute blood flow around blockages in arteries. These are natural bypasses that can form with time if you walk enough. With a diligent walking program, some patients never need any procedures despite complete artery blockages in the legs because their body grows enough collateral circulation to relieve symptoms. Disabling claudication can improve to lifestyle limiting claudication with much reduced leg pain or no pain whatsoever in some cases. Once you have a procedure, you will definitely need to maintain a healthy lifestyle with optimal diet, not smoking, and routine walking exercise, and keep the risk factors such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes to a minimum anyway in order to increase the durability of the procedure. Why? Old habits can lead to scar tissue in the arteries or plaque buildup again, even worse than before. So it's good to become an equal partner in your PAD care and get started on what you can do on your own to slow the progression of the disease versus getting caught in a revolving door 
of interventional and surgical treatments. With this week's medical notepad, I'm Dr. Bradley Hill with Hill Vascular and Vein Center in Campbell, California. Medical Notepad is a series for educational and informational purposes only. Advice offered is not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this series without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to standagainstamputation.com and for peripheral artery disease support, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. We are continuing the conversation about men's sexual health today. We're joined uh, by uh, with Dr. Nutting. Uh, Kim and I have uh, we kind of last week we talked about female issues, um, and this week we're discussing male sexual um, you know health problems. And and one of them is uh, enlarged prostates, and that can cause issues with urination as well as erectile dysfunction. So, Dr. Nutting, you see a lot of patients that have this problem. Um, walk us through kind of that initial consultation uh, when you first meet them, how, what kind of questions they ask you, what kind of questions you ask them, and then moving forward with labs or testing and potentially uh, procedures to help them. Sure. Thank you, John. Um, so BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia is a, a very common uh, problem in men. And 15 million men in the United States have this issue. It's uh, increasingly uh, common with age. of men have BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia at 60 years old, 80% at 80. Um, So so most of these men are coming in to see me because they have urinary symptoms. And as that prostate enlarges, it squeezes the urethra or peeing tube. So they can't fully evacuate their bladder. So men come in with a weak urinary stream, frequency, urgency, some incontinence, um, and they have nocturia where they go to the bathroom at night. And some of these men are up five, six, seven times a night, and they can't get any meaningful sleep. Typical therapy is to put them on medications first and some lifestyle changes, maybe decreasing the amount that they drink at night, um, getting rid of alcohol and caffeine. But in reality, that's not enough for most of these men. Right. That's almost like it's just Band-Aids, right? There's a grander problem typically. A bit. And then you have to do all those things for the rest of your life. Um, most men get put on some kind of urinary medications, an alpha blocker like uh, Flomax and uh, finasteride, so combination medications. But those all have, you know, potential side effects like retrograde ejaculation, decreased um, um, decreased sexual performance, even impotence. So a lot of men, men. Sorry, do most men find that this helps them, or is there a certain percentage that don't benefit from it? From the actual procedure itself, from the prostate embolization. From, from the medications. So, so there's two groups of men um, that some respond well to it and don't have any issues. There's another group of men who have pretty significant uh, dysfunction. I don't know that percentage. I would guess it's probably 20 to 30 percent. And then there's some men living in Colorado. A lot of people don't like medicines here. So they just would prefer not to take medications. And uh, we know that if we do this procedure, this prostate embolization, 80% of men can come off their urinary medications. And describe so, the procedure. So it's prostate artery embolization. What is yes. it? 
So it's a uh, minimally invasive image-guided procedure that's performed either in an OBL, an ASC, or the hospital. So we use x-ray equipment. We make a small puncture in the artery of the wrist or the groin, and then under x-ray guidance, find the arteries that supply the prostate deep inside of the pelvis. Once we find those vessels, then we slowly dribble in these little plastic pellets that are FDA-approved specifically for this um, until the blood flow blocks off. We do that on both sides of the prostate. That allows the prostate to shrink on average 25 to 40% and gives 90% of men significant improvement in their urinary symptoms. How long does the procedure take? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly technical procedure. So I would say patient, or physicians who do a lot of this, the, the procedure time's about an hour and a half with, a, with about 30 minutes of x-ray time. Um, recovery, we use a closure device, recovery's an hour in the clinic, and then they're discharged home. And so is this something that they need a referral from their primary care physician, or how do patients actually find you? And our primary care physicians and our, is it the urinologist yes. um, that so, actually knows of you and makes the referral? So urologists don't necessarily love us because it's a competitive procedure. Um, their explain, guidelines. Explain that a little bit to us. So yeah. if I don't want your procedure, what are my other options if the medicines aren't working for me? So uh People who fail medical therapy, typically they're offered minimally invasive surgical therapies from their urologist. Those include, they're all done through the penis. So you can have a TERP done where they resect a little piece of the prostate. Um, you can have a Urolift where they put staples in. You can have Resume where they put steam in. All these things are done to try and open up that central portion of the prostate so they can fully evacuate their bladder better. So the great thing about this prostate embolization is I don't put anything in the penis or the rectum. Um, the and procedure is really just, thing. yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, that's why many of these patients come to see us is because they don't want to go through some of those more invasive procedures. We help nine out of 10 patients. If they're the 10% that don't get the benefit they want, they don't get worse. They just don't get as well as they'd like to be. Those patients could then go on and have a TERP or some of these other things, but at least they've tried the least invasive thing first. And we have a patient asking about the impact. Can can it actually shrink your penis? Say that again. Can it, can it, what was the word, Kim? Can it actually shrink your penis? No. Okay. So I, I would say from. And then uh, he's relieved. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we always. Sorry, just explain that a little bit more because I think people might be thinking, well, he's going in and shutting down the blood supply. Right. How do you know you're hitting the prostate and not another artery? That I know, Because yeah. I think there would be a huge risk. Well, uh, I would say the risk is minimal. And we, okay. with experience, we know those arteries deep in the pelvis. So that's a place that we work not uncommonly. Um, the prostate artery can come off of several different locations and physicians who do a lot of this work. And I would encourage the patients to ask their doctors, how many of these have, have they performed? Um, the, uh, the beads can go other places, although it's very uncommon. And the pelvis is, has a very rich blood supply. 7% of men could have a little bit of blood in the semen, the stool, or the urine. That clears up on its own. Less than one in 250 men could develop a small scab on the penis or the scrotum, that also clears up on its own. So to have any true complications are exceedingly rare. 
I had an interventional radiologist tell me that he's looking into doing the procedure, but he's still concerned about doing it in an office-based lab or OBL because he doesn't feel like he has the, the best imaging to prevent having a complication. Uh. I think that also goes along with the experience. So if if he's starting out, it may be best to start those cases in the hospital Mm -hmm. with cone beam rotational angiography. There's more bells and whistles. I think if as you do a hundred or more of these, you you understand the arterial blood supply. There's different obliquities and certain things we could do with nitroglycerin to really uh, enhance our vision of the prostate. And that could be done in an ASC and OBL or a hospital. Does an enlarged oh sorry, Kim, does an enlarged prostate cause erectile dysfunction or other health issues other than just problems with urination? Yeah, that's a great question, John. Um, we, we know that the finasteride, the medications that you get put on can cause sexual dysfunction, uh, whether that's an alpha blocker or the finasteride. Um, there is There are studies out there showing that there is some correlation between ED and, and benign prostatic hyperplasia. I'm not sure that we absolutely understand um, that correlation, uh, but it definitely exists. And so when I'm asking patients about their urinary symptoms, we also have them fill out a questionnaire about erectile dysfunction. And we do that before the procedure and one month after. And we see that 20% of patients have improved erectile function after a prostate embolization. That's not why we do it, but maybe a side benefit. It also may be that these men are coming off their urinary medications and getting rid of some of those side effects. Coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we will have more, so stay with us. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients, and we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced 
advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the show. Um, We've been talking about prostate artery embolization. We've been also um, touching on vascular um, health and the impact on sexual performance. We had a patient come on, Douglas, who was, you know, talking, especially in the beginning of the show, uh, about how some of his, you know, symptoms with sexual dysfunction actually came before he even was diagnosed with peripheral artery disease, which is that blood flow restriction in the legs due to the plaque buildup, um, also in the heart, coronary artery disease. But when it comes to the body, we have that human superhighway, which is our vascular system. And if you have plaque buildup in any part of your body, it's likely that it's in other parts of your body, including those vessels that lead to the prostate. Um, and, and that can be an issue. And that's what Douglas was mentioning, you know, in the in the beginning of the show as well. And we were talking about the prevalence. What are the solutions for that? Can you... Um, it isn't something that's covered by insurance to go in there and restore blood flow. Well, I mean, yeah. so let's take a step back here, Kim, right? Because we've talked about the peripheral arterial disease in previous episodes, and and we kind of break it down into the big arteries that have blockages, but then there are the smaller arteries that get blocked up too with plaque. And those are the arteries that we often, you know, don't see on imaging and scans and sometimes uh, all angiograms, uh, but those arteries can affect, uh, for example, men's sexual performance, erectile dysfunction. And on, at the break, Charles and I were just talking, 60% of men that have erectile dysfunction have problems with small artery blockages that that cause issues with their erection. The medications that we use, right, the Cialis's and the Viagra's of the world work well. They dilate the vessels um, and, and help with performance. But Charles, there are other options out there. Um, I don't perform them, but I mean, do you have some experience with with, with more invasive procedures to maybe help improve the blood flow? Um, so when we're doing prostate embolization, we're in that deep pelvis looking at the same vessels that supply the penis uh, as they supply the prostate. Um, and we know that 60% of men who have ED have some component of atherosclerotic disease that may be potentially treatable. I would say that the data from multiple papers is uh, is a bit all over the board. There are some studies that saying it could help. There was some use of stents early on. Mm-hmm. There's some more recent studies saying that uh, it may not be as beneficial. Um, and if you do get a good result, it may not be long lasting. As you know, those vessels are very small. They have a lot of recoil. Um, so we do offer that as a potential uh, procedure to patients, the revascularization. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, insurance usually does not cover that. They consider it as not medically necessary. 
there are some things that we could do maybe before we do an angiogram where you could do a penile Doppler with ultrasound to see if there's blood going into the penis uh, that may not require an angiogram. Also CT angiograms to identify some of those smaller vessels uh, in the pelvis. I think it's important too, to look at other causes for, um, you know, change in sexual activity. We touched on it a little bit before, but stressful situations obviously can cause problems with, you know, your hormones are a little bit out of whack potentially, and that can reduce sexual desire function. Smoking we've talked about. I mean, so I think there are things before we even talk about maybe adding medications or doing procedures to kind of help, help these folks at least recognize that it's not necessarily always from a a blocked artery. Yeah. I completely. A a blocked artery. I mean, is it really worth, going in and the risks of a general angiogram in the first place for to actually have that done, to have a doctor go in, do the wrist puncture or groin puncture and send the wires, whatever all in there. Is it, does it a physician? And I'm curious from both of your standpoints, do you see that as being worth the risk or would you prefer to wait to see, are we going to go in for another reason? Are we going to go in for the legs, the aorta or something else? And then couple that with it. Kim, I think, I think we always talk about risk benefit ratio to patient, you know, risk of, of hurting them versus the benefit of helping them. Mm-hmm. And that's a very frank discussion I have with these patients specifically because we know that we can be technically successful 98% of the time. We can actually open up those arteries. But what does that mean to the patient? Only about 60% of patients are going to have significant improvement in their erections. And at a year, that drops down to about 30%. Um, so you're correct. I think that it's a, it's a relatively r- low-risk procedure, but not zero. And I'm curious from Douglas's standpoint, um, just his reaction um, in hearing um, what you've been hearing and, and knowing that you have this issue as well, do you think that the um, benefits outweigh the risks? For me, with what I've heard so far from me, I would, I, the benefit, I would take that risk because, I mean, I'm still young. I, it, sex is not the only thing, but it is a part of relationships. And being, I don't know the difference between men and women, but being a man, yes, it is something that is important to me that I, I can perform when I want to. And it's, in my opinion, it's, it's a difficult conversation for the patient to have. It's often kind of at the tail end of any time a patient brings up erectile dysfunction to me, it's as I'm like leaving the room, right? I mean, like, and so I think Save My Piggies is, we're not, we don't have time for a Save My Piggies today, but it's about patient advocacy, education, and the patient being the quarterback for their healthcare. So I, I would just encourage those listening, if this is a problem for you, bring it up to your healthcare provider, ask him or her about it and see what the treatment options are. Right. And, and when they're already on their way out the door. And I would just say that, you know, a pelvic angiogram is a last ditch type thing. These patients should undergo lifestyle evaluation. They should try Viagra, Cialis, um, it, maybe even intracavernosal injections prior to getting to an angiogram with revascularization. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. And we'll be right back in just a minute with our final thoughts here on the Heart of Innovation. So stay with us. Is cinnamon cholesterol's kryptonite? 
Hello, I'm Dr. James Antizana, Chief Vascular Surgeon with South Charlotte General and Vascular Surgery in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've long been fascinated by the power of cinnamon, and I talk about it all of the time with my patients. Did you know cinnamon may have the power to improve glucose, blood pressure, and lipids in those with type 2 diabetes? It can. Cinnamon ranks number one out of 26 of the most popular herbs and spices in the world in terms of its protective antioxidant levels. Other health benefits include antibacterial, antifungal, and anti-diabetic properties. In fact, studies have shown that cinnamon can be considered as an additional dietary supplement option to regulate blood glucose, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels along with conventional medications to treat type 2 diabetes. One study, for example, showed that whether an individual was given 1, 3, or 6 grams of cinnamon per day, all three levels reduced glucose, triglycerides, LDL cholesterol, and total cholesterol levels to some extent. Are there different types of cinnamon? Yes, cinnamon comes in both Ceylon and Cassia and are healthy and delicious. However, in large quantities or in a supplement, Cassia can be harmful because of the coumarin content. Ceylon cinnamon is better quality and much safer and has a lower concentration of coumarin. Still, you can have too much of a good thing, since cinnamon does build up in the body and can be toxic at high levels. Researchers have dosed cinnamon in clinical trials, such as taking it 30 days on with two weeks off before starting the next dose. Ask your healthcare provider if cinnamon supplements are right for you, and if so, how much? Meantime, an extra dash of cinnamon in your cider couldn't hurt. But remember, this information I've provided is for educational purposes only. Never act on any advice or information without the explicit consent of your supervising physician who knows you best. Always check with your healthcare provider before adding a new supplement, such as cinnamon, to your daily regimen. I'm Dr. James Antizana. For more healthy eating tips, check out Patty's Plate at thewaytomyheart.org. Again, thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We are wrapping up our show and continuing our discussion about men's sexual health. Nurse practitioner Kay, you have a curious story to share with us about erectile dysfunction in a very young person, don't you? I do. As you know, I've had a very long career. And um, about 30 years ago, I was working with one of the very first interventional radiologists. His name was Dr. John Hussey, and he was based in Aberdeen. And he had a young patient, 19 years of age, sedated, light sedation on the table. And this boy had never been able to attain an erection due to a vascular blockage. So he went in via his groin and he cleared it. And the inevitable happened while the patient was on the table. And I've never seen a patient so happy in my life, stoned out of his head, screaming hallelujah, because he got <laughs> his very first erection. <laughs> he got in front of an audience. <laughs> Charles, do your patients um, get really jacked up and pretty happy after hospitalization <laughs> or no? Uh <laughs> Yeah, I would say that, uh, no, not from an erection standpoint, but uh, the uh, it's probably one of the more rewarding procedures that that I do as an interventional radiology. It is absolutely life changing for these men. Wow. Um, you know, it helps ninety percent of them. 
Um, there's no sexual dysfunction. There's no urinary incontinence that there are with some of these other procedures. Half, half the men don't go see a urologist. Um, one thing that patients come to see me for is I'm not putting anything up their penis. So it's, <laughs> it's probably it's, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great minimally invasive procedure that helps nine out of 10 people. Yeah, I think you'd be favored. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. How do we get the word out? How do you actually expand? Where do you see this um, industry evolving? Because it's certainly not mainstream right now. Not everybody knows about it. Yeah, I think it's a bit word of mouth. It is uh, the FDA, as you probably know, does not approve procedures, but they approve products. And these beads are FDA approved. Um, it's educating primary care physicians. It's educating patients directly and trying to work collaboratively with the urologists. Tim, I don't know about you, but this has been a really fascinating show. I mean, I, when we started this radio show, I didn't think we'd ever talk about fibroid embolization or prostate embolization. So this is pretty cool stuff. No, but you know what? There's so many of our friends with vascular diseases, whether it's peripheral artery disease or whether it's coronary artery disease, you were even mentioning they have additional small vessel disease elsewhere or other issues that arise because of maybe the medications they are, they're on or the stress of even having the disease that can lead to other problems. And so I think it's really important that we are addressing these other topics that are important to them. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think the beauty of it is you're allowing patients to hear about tr- treatments that they don't necessarily know about. And so uh, Charles, is there like a Facebook support group for this stuff? Or, I mean, again, is it just word of mouth type thing for, for patients to get a hold of you or docs that do this? Yeah, there are Facebook su- support groups. There's also chats. Um, anybody who were to search uh, prostate artery embolization would be able to tie into that. And most of these patients, an educated patient really is their own best advocate. And um, um, they they come in and they bring me the latest papers to say, have you read this? So it keeps me on my toes as well. And you can actually uh, do a Google search for the Society of Interventional Radiologists and on the SIRS website, uh, they do have a fantastic doctor finder that allows you to scroll down and choose a particular ailment and it will share with you the interventional radiologists that treat um, that actually do the pulmonary artery um, embolization as well, which is really cool. Amazing. Kim, uh, we've got 30 seconds left. What are we going to talk about next week? I mean, something really obscure or? Well, you know, I think that we have, we have Douglas who's been here the entire show and has been sharing some of his stories and he has offered to be a part of your Save My Piggies. Let's next week. So we're going to hear more of his, how he has saved his piggies um, coming up next week. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody. Wonderful show. Thanks, everyone, Thank you very for much. joining us. We will see you next week. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. 
For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network.